My son Jack, who's in grade one, got a note home from school about a presentation he would have to make. Uh, I got this in your, in your homework stuff. Have you seen it before? Mm. Oh yeah, we have to sign it of what, what our parents' job is and study it because we're going to say it in front of class at school. Okay. So it says, this week we will be starting a unit on careers. The children will partake in different activities relating to this theme for the next two weeks. In order to make these activities more authentic and more comprehensive, we would like to have the children briefly talk about what their parents do for a living. We would therefore ask you to help in providing your child with a brief explanation of your career. Uh, should we? I can't remember if we should write it in French or English, so what does this say? We should write it in French, but we should just talk about it first so that we know what we're going to write. So what what do you think my job is? Making movies for adults. I don't think you should be saying movies for adults because movies for adults is... Uh, okay, you should be saying maybe movies with real people. Okay, she makes movies with real people. Okay, so do you know about my film project this summer? I want to come with you this summer and see your movie, how you make, well, how you make and do it. Oh, what do you, what do you mean? Like, come to the place where you make the movie and see it. You mean what I'm doing? Yeah, and, and I know how I could, I, I'm not in the movie. I could be behind the video camera with the filming person. I could look there. Oh, so you would actually be interested in my job? Yeah, I think it's cool. It's fascinating. It's it's fascinating. Okay, so for the homework, we'll write. uh, And for Daddy, what should we write? Mm, I have no idea what his job is. You have no idea what he does. So, my kid wants to see me at work. This changes things. Hi, I'm Tally, and this is First Day Back. If you've been with me since the beginning, thanks. And sorry about this drill. If you're just joining now, this podcast is chronological, and you'll get more out of it if you go back and start from the beginning. In this episode, I go visit Miriam, my producer, who's gone from powerhouse career woman to nesting new mom in just a few weeks. You'll hear from Jessica, one of the young women in the FAYA program for my documentary. Plus, you'll hear me on a really bad day. Again. I had only given passing thought to my own kid's perception of me. Until now, it was all encapsulated in this moment that happened the other day. Adam was climbing on top of me and kept pressing on my leg. I was trying to get him to stop, but he's three and he was having fun, so he didn't. Adam, stop stepping on me. I'm a person, I said. He answered back. No, you're not. You're a mom. I figured that's it for them. They can't see me as anything beyond their mother. It can be disheartening, and then other times I just own it. But Jack has thrown a wrench into my thinking. So now I have other reasons for wanting to make this film. About that. 
We are still waiting for the broadcasters to say yes or no, and I'm finding it absurd and painful. I think what the problem is, is the present state of uh, production in Canada and elsewhere as well. I went for lunch with Natalie Barton, a producer I've worked with who's been a mentor to me in my career. She's one of the most respected indie documentary producers in Montreal. I've heard several people refer to her as the papesse of documentary, papesse meaning female pope. When I showed up at her office, not only was it smaller than it used to be, there were less people working there. She used to have about five full-time employees, and now I saw just one. She was more pessimistic than I've ever seen her in the 15 years I've known her. The scene in the last, what, five, six years has become, I would say, in English Canada, intensely difficult. I mean, so many people, I believe, are not able to finance their documentary projects anymore. The kind of slice-of-life documentary that you do and that we did together is uh, getting very difficult to convince broadcasters to take. And as you know, broadcasters are still the key to financing, even if people are watching less TV. They're actually, it seems that people are not exactly watching less TV. They're watching TV on their computers. So the, the whole... The whole uh, scene is changing a lot. And I have to say that in the last couple of years, I found, and at Information, we found that it's becoming really, really tough to produce uh, creative, auteur documentaries. I've been sitting here worrying about whether or not I'm ready to get back to work, and I'm coming back to a whole new reality. Natalie said that the timing for my return is not great. I left at just the moment financing started to get harder. So I've decided I'm ready, Jack is ready, I want to impress Jack, and it looks like it might not even be about our readiness. But for all Natalie's grim forecasting, she's not the one holding the purse strings. I'm still doing my shooting preparation, and I have to make sure we have childcare for Jack for the summer, for when I'm working. The first thing was, I signed him up for camp for the first time ever. And what are the hours of the camp's operation? So it's from 9 to 4, and we have extended care in the morning from 7.30 to 9, and then uh, from 4 to 6. Okay, so he could be there till 6. Hey, long day. And my husband David and I have been having loads of discussions about logistics, like this one. Well, one of one of two things happens: either the kids stay until four p.m. or later, and then I can probably do a pickup, or we get a babysitter who can do the pickup earlier. And then for the evening, you'll block off the time. For the evening, I'll block off the time, and there'll be a few nights of pizza, more 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 pizza than you would be. Um, than you would like, but um, yeah. Full disclosure, I had expected that this podcast would mostly be things like what you just heard, the nitty-gritty logistics of transitioning back to work. I hadn't meant for it to be so confessional. But the reason you don't hear more of that is because, as you just heard, conversations where two people discuss who will pick up the kids at what time, on what day, 
are actually not that interesting. If you really need to know, David and I have a Google Calendar for keeping track of who's doing what when, and my house has fallen apart a bit since I've been working. But is that really what you want to hear about? I have just had the worst day from the minute I picked them up from school until the minute they went to bed. They were just miserable and fighting. Uh, I went to pick up Jack from school. He was mad I didn't have the car. He was mad I had to walk. He was upset because his pants were wet from recess. He was complaining that we had to go get Adam at daycare. Oh my God, then at daycare. Adam didn't want to wear his boots. Then a world emergency erupted over the pressing of the elevator button, which is the source of so much stress in my life. The elevator button. Jack pressed the elevator button that Adam felt was his rightful elevator button. I can't even believe I'm talking about this. If then they got home. They didn't want to, want to watch the same TV show. Nobody wanted to try supper. It was just, it was a gong show. And I feel like, how amazing would it be if a babysitter could deal with this time of day? That would be so amazing. Bring it on, work. This moment just drives it all home. It's like not the actual parenting that's the joy. It's the feeling once they're in bed, asleep, that you have parented that is the satisfying part. There's a blog I read called Ask Moxie, and she spelled out some of it in a way I hadn't thought of. She points out that motherhood only makes sense when you realize it isn't a job. It's a relationship. Loving and nurturing your child is the relationship you have with your child. That's why when you have a bad day as an adult, you still want to talk to your mom, if you have a good relationship with your mom. All the stuff that has to be done for kids, though, those things are jobs. Changing diapers, researching car seats, driving to soccer practice, washing clothes, filling out forms, making lunches, making dinner, making breakfast. Many of those tasks are not that brain-intensive and are not valued highly across all societies. And that's why A, motherhood can suck so much, and B, it's devalued so much. And this one, C, wealthy women have always hired other people for as many of those tasks as they could, until recently, so they got the relationship, but not the jobs. We all want the relationship. It's the best part. It's why I don't run away after every fight over the elevator button. And I can see that when you're working, the tricky thing is figuring out how much you can work while maintaining the bond with your kids. We've all heard stories of kids who are so tight with their babysitter that it's the person they cry for when they hurt themselves. Because doesn't taking care of all the little things, all the grunt work, also create closeness? Aren't we all close to our moms when we're young exactly because they're doing every little thing for us? The reality is, every parent today is sacrificing some part of the balance. We live in a super demanding world, and I don't really know if you can separate the job from the relationship, even though it's a pretty seductive idea. Oh, look at her face. 
Maintenant, t'es tranquille. I'm at Miriam's house, my producer. Her baby Adela is still super tiny and super cute. Miriam's on her maternity leave now, and she's laid back and comfy in a way I hadn't seen before. I reminded her about that interview when I came into her office and she was a powerhouse, working around the clock, and wondering why taking care of kids was different from traveling the world. Yeah, that's weird, because I was really, really, really working hard at that time, and I was really big, and it was not quite... It was kind of surreal for me. Like, it was not... It was as if I was uh, going to have a baby, but I was not aware how my, my life would change. And, it, you know, I'm not dumb. I knew my, my life would change, but it was as if I didn't feel the way it would change. And now it's as if this meeting was uh, 11 years ago. It, And we talked about how her perspective has shifted. Well, your podcast makes makes me <laughs> afraid a bit because I'm still thinking I could, I'm going to be able to manage it all because I still want a career and I still want to have meaningful and and stimulating projects professionally and I want to work fully and be a mom fully and and now I I can understand how you can put this in into perspective and into question and. I'm not reconciled with this idea that maybe I'm going to have to choose. It's I don't know. It's not that you'll have to choose. It's just that um, you won't be able to do everything all the time and you'll miss certain moments of her life and you'll have to check out sometimes at work. I mean, I think that that's tricky for mm -hmm. your career. But I have a question for you. How How did you manage to... Did you take a decision like, okay, I'm going to be on maternity leave for three years, five years, or... No, my kids just kept seeming too small to leave them all the time. And so that's why, literally, like sometimes when, you know, you would call me to have a meeting, I would be like, well, I can't on that day because Adam's home. And, <laughs> you or know... You were, or you were at, at the pool. Yeah. Do you remember that time when I called you and you were like, uh-huh, uh-huh, and there were like tons of kids going in the pool and blah, And it was crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't remember that now. Yeah. But have you had, had some regrets or questions about that? I actually haven't regretted it because I felt like now they're getting bigger and I can see that that was precious time. It's kind of liberating somehow. You are at the, the exact place that you have to be in life. Like when I'm breastfeeding, My daughter needs me right there, right now. So I have no more doubts. I'm at the right place. I, it's, t'es sûr que t'es à la bonne place au bon moment. Tu peux pas faire autre chose. You can't do anything else. It's this. Yeah, maybe that's exactly the right way to describe it. Is that for several years I felt like this is where I'm supposed to be, and I wasn't questioning myself because I just felt like the right place. Last summer, when I was researching the Faya documentary, one of the people I was drawn to was a soft-spoken woman named Jessica. I won't use her last name. 
She's 22, beautiful. She has long, wavy brown hair and wears elaborate eye makeup. She looks Latina, even though she isn't. She dropped out of school in grade 9 and had a baby when she was 15. She lives in the most disadvantaged neighborhood in Montreal, where over 50% of children live under the poverty line. Clearly, her options have been very different from mine and Miriam's. The FAYA program was a big deal for her. She talked to me about how she feels changed after doing it. She says, I didn't really know myself well before. I was 15 when I had my daughter, so I didn't really have the chance. Choices have a huge impact. I've come to realize it's not just what seems like a good idea at the time, but what will be a good idea in the long term. It's like a tree with branches for all the choices we make that all matter. What connects Jessica and I is obvious. Out of the blue, and without me saying anything about Jack, she told me that some of her best moments were when her daughter came to visit her at work. My daughter adored seeing me at work, she continues. It's a real opportunity for your kid to see you working. I hope it makes her proud. My daughter was proud enough that she told me that she wants to follow in my footsteps. I hope that I inspired her. We all want our kids to see us as heroes, she says. I know that's how I saw my own mom. So I hope that's who I am for her too. When I say those things, it sounds cheesy. But when Jessica does, it doesn't seem so much. been listening to First Day Back. Join me next week for a bit of a different episode as I hunt down someone from my past. It's probably tiring to hear this, but if you like First Day Back, please rate or review it on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. First Day Back is on Twitter and Facebook also. Thanks to Maria Shamis-Turner, who is associate producer on this episode. Thanks also to Natalie Barton, Miriam Berthelet, Baby Adele, Elodie and Tracy from the Tohu and Jessica. Musical thanks to Poddington Bear and Pussy Mist from the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening.